0: This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio with support from New Zealand On Air. Kāpāi ʻerarangitimotu NPR Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate <laughs>
1: Welcome to Friend of Maryland. My name is Kat Pauze, and this is a fat-friendly space. Today on Friend of Maryland, I provide an update about the PCAACA conference in 2022 and invite you to join me for the fat takeover of the polyphony. I chat with Amy Pence Brown about her activism work in Idaho, and I spotlight a piece from Amy Lautigo about like minds and like bodies. I have two very exciting announcements to kick off the show today. The first one is that the ACA PCA conference, which takes place every year in the States and has a dedicated fat study stream has announced that their 2022 conference scheduled for April in Seattle is moving virtual due to COVID. While I know that many will be disappointed to not be able to engage in person and see uh, friends and colleagues that they haven't seen since the pandemic started for most of us, this means that the conference will be much more accessible because we won't have to travel to Seattle to attend. This is a really exciting opportunity for anyone involved in fat activism or fat study scholarship who would like to present at this conference. It's um, a very welcoming space. Your work doesn't have to be scholarly. They embrace the work of activism talking about A campaign you ran or just the things that you do or what your concerns are with the Fed activism that, you know, seems to get the most attention. Anything that you might want to contribute into that space, they very well might want to hear. Now, please note that while they did extend the deadline, it's coming up quick on December 5th, 2021. So keep that in mind. Definitely Google PCA ACA 2022 conference so you can find out more. I think it will be a really exciting experience for people around the world to participate uh, in a conference that's normally limited to only those who are physically um, and financially able to attend in person. The other thing that I'm very pleased about is that this week is the fat takeover Of the Polyphony. The Polyphony is a medical humanities website run by or hosted maybe by uh, Durham. And I was invited over a year ago, actually, now to take over the website um, and fill it full of, of fat content for a week. And while I was excited to get that invitation shortly after Fat Studies 2020 last year, I was really honest with the editor of the web to let them know that I had no capacity for it at that time. Uh, But I kept the email and I got back in touch with them a few months ago and they were just as keen. So I'm very excited to say that after um, sourcing through social media and inviting people to come and help me with this takeover, that there is an excellent spread of material that is being shared this week on the polyphony um, about fatness and the medical humanities if you want to check it out, the website is thepolyphony.org um, and polyphony is P-O-L-Y-P-H-O-N-Y. Uh, you can also just check out my social media where I've been promoting it quite heavily. So come and check it out and have a play. me today is Amy Pence-Brown, a fat feminist writer, mother, artist, educator, who's been a body image activist in rural conservative America for the last 13 years. Amy, thank you so much for coming back on Friend of Maryland.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: So it's been about six or seven years since the last time you were on the show, but we always love to talk to um, our old friends again. have you been? Good, good. Yeah, I think <laughs> or maybe COVID been. aside, how have you yes. been?
2: <laughs> yeah, it's probably been about six years um, mm-hmm. since I've been on. Good. I have been good. You know, COVID really did throw a wrench in everything. Um, and it seems like it will continue to do so. But
1: Yeah, but I mean, I've been watching you across the years. You have kept up um, your activism work and the great projects that you're doing and stuff. So it's been really great uh, to see you keep that work going uh, and really happy to talk to you about some of that today. Let's kick off with the Reviving Hilda project. Tell me about that. Yeah,
2: I think um, the last time I was on your show was right after I did the stand for self-love in a black bikini and blindfold in the farmer's yeah, market. Yeah, with the hearts. So it went, yes, it was super, <laughs> super viral and sort of launched my work into international fame, and I'd been doing work as a body image activist locally and regionally for a number of years before that, but since then um, I've been able to, I've been basically handed a microphone in a lot of ways by the press and and podcasters like you and other people, and it seems that people liked what I had to say, which is a thrill, Um, and more work since then has gotten a lot of press attention, including the Reviving Hilda project, which I started. Four years ago, now, um, and around the time that I went super viral and with the stand for self love, uh, people started sending me pictures of this plus size pinup girl from the nineteen fifties who was illustrated and um, redheaded and um, darling, doing various silly and sexy things, barely dressed and bikinis, often made from flowers. Or um, flower sacks, or wearing nothing at all, and having all sorts of shenanigans with animals and um, household chores and things like that. And she had is the, a figment of the imagination of an artist named Wayne Breyers, who was from Minnesota originally, and um, she happens to look a lot like me, and so. Um, or I look a lot like her, whichever way you think about it. And uh, people started sending me these images because she had been kind of forgotten. She was on a lot of calendars and, oh, like playing cards and other sort of ephemera for businesses as sort of advertising things like pinup girls, illustrated pinup girls were in the mid century. Um, and she'd been kind of forgotten since the eighties. And then somebody found a big stash of her in her calendars at an estate sale or a flea market. And it kind of revived the love of her. So she started going a little bit viral. Her images did. And people noticed our similarities and started sending them to me. And I was like, oh, we do look a lot alike. And we do um, have a lot of similar behaviors. And so I thought, wouldn't it be fun to recreate these drawings in a real life um, sort of subversive feminist selfie series um, using things I have around the house and things from my own home and substituting some um, like stuffed animals from my kid's toy box, toy boxes in replacing, you know, in place of her real life animals. Um, and I did it and I put them side by side in this photo series and Um, I was surprised myself how similar our bodies are. I was shocked at how well Dwayne Breyers was able to draw, um, big, a big woman, um, from memory. He didn't draw her from a model or from real life. Um, it was, it was amazing. Anyhow, they turned out to be super fun and super popular. And I started sharing them all over, um, the internet and people were begging for a calendar. Um, which became a fun project that I did as a fundraiser for my body image camps and classes for girls and teens that I do in Idaho um, and started about um, five, four or five years ago now as well.
1: I've seen probably not all of them, you know, but uh, I do follow you on social media. So I've gotten a chance to see, see quite a few of them. And I think, you know, there's so many Delightful, delicious things about them um, that, you know, kind of stack on top of one another. But one of the things that I really enjoy that I think you really do encapsulate is the joy in which she's portrayed in the drawings. Like, and it's like a cheeky kind of joy too. She's like, <laughs> you know, um, and you, you embody that in in such a really great way that I'm not sure if that's just kind of who you are naturally, or if you've been able to mimic that, really well but um yeah every time I every time I see one it definitely brings me it brings me a lot of joy so so thank you for that (laughs) oh
2: thank you I have heard that um and it is um oh I'm not really acting so it is a lot who I am naturally and I think that that shows in the project and I think people recognize that as well um not only when they say that Hilda reminds me of uh, them of me, or I remind them of Hilda. I think they're talking about more than just our bodies. You know, they're talking about that sort of um, silly and sweet and sexy joy of life. And I've made fifty-four of them to date, and I don't even know Hilda's. He drew like at least a hundred or two hundred Hildas over the years. Um, so I have a lot more to go. If I wanted to recreate them all, it might take me the rest of my life. Um, Yeah,
1: no, I definitely have not seen all 54. Like, it sounds like this needs to be something you pull into a book, you know, like a coffee table art book kind of thing. Like, I would definitely buy one um, to to put on my coffee table.
2: Yeah, I know. People have said that, too. And so far, I've just been um, putting sort of new ones into calendars each year. In fact, the 2022 calendar pre-orders are up right now. Um, people, it's a limited edition run that I do every fall or autumn and, um, they sell out quick and uh, they are a lot of fun. People buy them year after year.
1: Yeah. I Amy, mean, where can people go to find one?
2: Uh, I'm selling them through my website, amypencebrown.com. And if you follow me on Instagram or Facebook at amypencebrown.com, um, you'll, find the link. I'll be sharing it a lot. And I share the hill that's regular regularly in both of those places as well. And you can see all 54 of them today on my, on my website also.
1: Oh, fantastic. I will definitely, I will get a calendar. Um, and I will also add it to my, excuse me, my fatlicious gift giving uh, list for the holidays, even if it might already be sold out at least let people know to kind of take a look for it. In the in the coming years, I um I buy Substantia Jones's out a positivity calendar every year. Um, but you can never have too many fat positive <laughs> calendars. So very keen to 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 get my hands on on yours as well. How exciting! So you know, I think I'd I'd be remiss, Amy, not to kind of note, mention that you know the first project uh that I knew that you had done that got you on the show the first time you know, as you mentioned, was the the body love one about, you know, standing in a bikini and having people draw hearts on you. Now we're talking about Hilda, which is like a pinup. So again, not a whole lot of clothing going on. You know, I'm just curious if if you, if there's something specific that you find about being partially nude as a fat woman, that's extra empowering. And that's why it's been a, a big part of the activism work that you've done, or if that's just, it's a coincidence. <laughs> And it could be a little bit of both. I'm not sure, but yeah, it is, uh,
2: probably a little bit of both, but honestly, I often say that I use my body as a canvas for my art and activism. And I like to do that, especially, um, a fat, um, aging, middle-aged, um, body. I think that we definitely don't see enough of that, um, In our world and have it often be celebrated um, as a canvas again uh, for art um, and activism pieces but also as something um, to be celebrated that's like silly and and also sexy and also a mom um, and also you know has very um, normal natural things happening to my body. And I, it's very important to me that none of the work that I do when I do use my body um, in it is Photoshopped or edited heavily. It's important to me that it um, stands as is and shows up as is um, in all of my work. And I do that intention. That's a very intentional, intentional move as well.
1: Awesome. Amy, it's been such a delight to have you back on the show. Um, I really hope that if there's anyone listening who wasn't already following you in social media, that uh, they definitely will go tune in now. Thank you so much for coming back and, and chatting with us. And I look forward to the next uh, 52 more uh, it- episodes of the Hilda Revisions.
2: <laughs> yes. And I'm such a fan of your show too. It's, it's always such a treat. So thank you again for having me.
1: spotlight today is a piece from Amy Lautego on Stuff, published September 29th, 2021. And it is a part of a series called Like Bodies, Like Mind. Um, And this is Amy on growing up fat. Quote, my earliest memories are of being a fat child. I would have been about seven and my mother and I were chased down by a nurse in the supermarket car park. They were worried on sight that I was so overweight I might get diabetes. I had to go on a leukazoid diet. It tasted awful. That was my first experience of being othered because my brother was around the same size and he didn't have to do any of that. And then I got sick and when I came out of the hospital, everybody told me how much weight I lost and how great I looked from being sick. That set me up for being aware that everybody was going to have something to say about my body. I developed some maladaptive behaviors. I'm a comfort eater because I always felt so shit about it. Heading on to intermediate on a doctor's recommendation, my mom took me to Weight Watchers. I started at 11. This was something I did for mom because a concerned family friend had said to me, if you keep going like this, you may never find someone who loves you. It's a similar conversation family members have with their gay kids. 95% of the time, I was always the fattest person in the room, and for the longest time, I was the tallest. Throughout high school, I made the decision to play sports, so I started everything, rugby, netball. I thought if people knew I played sports, then it wouldn't matter how big my body is. Turns out that's not the case. I don't know what it is like to feel unnoticed. I I won't say unseen because people see me and make snap judgments that won't be representative of the person I am. But I have never been unnoticed. I ended up divorcing my body and my mind. It's that old adage. My body can be fat, but I will always be as smart and as articulate as I can be. I will dress this fat body and present this body in a way that is most acceptable. But my mind and body never really felt connected. I was a floating brain in my 20s. I don't have any memories of thinking anything about my body except that it wasn't the body I wanted. When you're in a fat body, it feels like you are constantly at war with the rest of the world. I have to arm myself before I go out to be prepared for whatever could what could happen, whatever might be said with people's eyes. It's pretty shit at times, but not all the time. Otherwise, I absolutely would have given up by now. I would describe myself as a stroppy, fat, brown woman. It's tricky. Fat can be so triggering, and it isn't until your 500th time referring to yourself as fat that you can do it without feeling some type of way about it. But it's important to develop your own relationship with it, because if you don't, then you'll always be subject to however somebody chooses to weaponize it against you. I have this congenital issue with my left hip. It stopped growing when I was a child, so the top of my leg pops in and out. My mom would take me to the doctor because my leg would be sore, and they'd say, It's growing pains. You could stand to lose some weight, though. If I had an X-ray, just one, they would have been able to treat it. Three years ago, at 35, they figured out I have hip dysplasia. There is an operation, but when I got into the system, I was told, you need to lose 40 kilos first. Everybody was saying I'd be a great candidate for gastric surgery. Never mind that I felt I shouldn't have to have something so invasive to get my hip fixed. But I went down that route, but got declined because I don't have diabetes. I don't have comorbidities. I could pay $30,000 privately for the surgeon, the same surgeon who would be doing it at the DHB, because he has no problem performing this operation on me. It feels like you're really on your own. A lot of, fat, a lot of people think fat people get a lot of care, but it seems to be the opposite anecdotally. We're not trying to get more. We're trying to get the, the same, and at times I feel like a prisoner in my fat body. When you're caring for a fat body, you don't realize how much you hate on it, being rough. Beauty ideals are heavily ingrained, so it's hard interrupting those thoughts to be like, we're not going to scrub your skin as raw because you can't scrub this away. This is still your body. My entire thing used to be to shit on people in my head just in case they wanted to come at me for being fat. Thinking positively about strangers has been a game changer because if I'm going to say nice things about them – why can't I say nice things about myself? And in particular for me, for women of color, anyone differently abled or in our rainbow community, you've got enough going against you. I'm still trying to work out my role in life, but I have the most genuine satisfaction and fun adapting what is mainstream to fat bodies. Doing my work with Infamy Apparel, I started looking at myself as an intersectional being. It wasn't until I started to focus in on making a custom garment for fat bodies Constantly looking at fat bodies and applying whatever artistic eye I have to figure out, the way to adapt the beauty of fabric to fat bodies, I realized I couldn't do it unless I found fat bodies beautiful. And my body image and the way I felt about myself and my brain and my spirit and how I feel about the world somehow, we all managed to get back together. And that's a happy ending, end quote. Thanks for listening to another episode of Friend of Maryland. Friend of Maryland is brought to you by Two People's Radio, 999 AM. If you'd like to contact the show with questions, comments, concerns, or suggestions for topics or guests, you can email us at at aol.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Closing the show is Wilson Phillips with Reason to Believe.
0: If I so long enough to you, I'd find a way to believe that it's all true, true, true. Knowing that you lie straight faced while I cry, still I know. You're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatū People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favorite show.